We're going to get into the Word. Luke chapter 15 uh, is where the lost sheep comes from. Um, And it starts like this in in, uh, verse 1 of of Luke chapter 15. Um, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call his friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed. Jesus at this time is in Jerusalem. Uh, he visits Jerusalem a couple of times before, um, before what we know is the Easter narration. The, you know, so he's in Jerusalem and he's been eating with some Pharisees and he's had a meal with some Pharisees and he's just walking and multitudes start gathering around him, multitudes of people. And he stops and he just starts teaching the multitudes and the tax collectors and the sinners and what the society at that time thought would be the the worst of the worst. They made their way to the front so that they could hear Jesus teach. And this upsets the Pharisees. This upsets the religious people. This upsets the ones that called themselves righteous because Jesus was mixing and mingling with the people that they would call unrighteous. And so in response to this situation that has occurred, Jesus tells this parable of the lost sheep. But he ties it in with two other parables. Uh, The lost sheep, which we just read. Then there's the lost coin. The lost coin is about a woman who uh, has 10 coins, which form a part of her dowry, and she loses one of those coins in her house. Now, we don't really deal with coins much Anymore and coins don't really hold much value. I mean, uh, it's all Visa or Mastercard now, uh, or or stuff that floats. But they didn't have notes back then. They just had coins, and these coins were of immense value. And this woman loses her coin, one of her ten coins, and she ends up just tearing this house apart. It says that she sweeps, so she gets to cleaning. Who knows that when you lose something, the first thing you do is clean the house. Uh, where's my keys? Well, let's start by folding the washing and putting it away because it's probably under there. Uh, she cleans her house. She turns it upside down. She uh, tears everything apart, trying to find this coin. And when she finds this coin, she calls all her friends together and again she celebrates, just like the shepherd celebrated at the lost sheep. Then the third parable which Jesus tells is the parable of the prodigal son or the, the lost son. These you can read all in Luke chapter 15 and Jesus tells them as one big narrative about the principle that he's trying to get across. And the prodigal son, we know the story, he's a a father with two sons and one of the sons says, I want my inheritance now. I want what I would normally get when you die. I want that now. And so he's basically slapping his dad in the face and saying, I can't wait till you die for my money. I want it now. And then the son goes away and the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us that the son went to far off lands and he wasted it on riotous living. On uh, I don't know what that means. 
You can read into that what you will. But he essentially wastes all his money and he finds himself uh, as living with pigs. He can't afford a hotel room. He can't afford a place to stay. He ends up living with pigs and eating their food. And, and Jesus says in this story that the, the son comes to his senses and he thinks, you know what, my dad's servants live better than this. I'm going to go home to see my dad and I'll live just as a servant. At least I'll have a roof over my head. So when the dad who is looking and waiting and waiting for his son's return, when he finally sees the son coming home, he doesn't, he doesn't get upset at him. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't lecture him, but he grabs him. He celebrates. He puts the ring of authority that indicates that he's a son and they kill the fattened calf and they have a big celebration because the son that was lost is now found. These three parables are to tell us, to illustrate to us the depth of the Father's love for us. The depth of the Father's love for the sinner. That He would leave the 99 to chase the one sheep. That He would turn the house upside down trying to find the one coin. And that He's sitting at the end of the driveway watching and waiting and hoping that today will be the day that the Son comes home. And it's not that when we do come home or when we are found that there's a stick or there's something waiting to belt us, but the reality is it's a Father who's in, who loves us and that He celebrates. He doesn't punish us, but He celebrates us. And that's the reality of the story, that these three parables tell us that when the sinner is found, there is a celebration in heaven. You know, when I lose things, normally they're lost at the, at the worst possible moment. You know, if you lose your car keys, it's only when you need to leave the house that they're lost. And then you've got to turn the house and you've got to try and find everything. And I'm a routine guy, so I always put my car keys in the exact same place. I always hang them on the same hook. And so if they're not in that place, I know immediately that someone else has lost them and it's definitely not my fault. Um, absolutely one of the girls has taken them or Sarah and so you mutter, I'm muttering under my breath, oh, kids losing my keys and then I invariably find them somewhere I put them down that uh, was out of my routine. You know, we always lose things at the worst possible moment. I remember uh, growing up in Sejuna, we had a church picnic and we went out into the scrub one day and we, I don't know why, like you just go to the scrub and you go to the bush and you just sit down and you have a a picnic or a barbecue together. Um, I never really could understand why you did that instead of just going to someone's house. I guess it's the novelty of being amongst nature. And I remember I walked off, I would have been 10 or 11, and I walked off into the scrub, into the, into the, into the, you know, it's that low level scrub. It's not like what we have in the hills, but that low level Mallee forest. And I'm walking off and I'm just in my own world and I'm just thinking about, you know, I don't know, whatever, Power Rangers or whatever it was that I watched at the time, Harry Potter and all the other demonic things. And so uh, I stop and I look around and I have absolutely no idea where I am. When you're in the middle of a forest, every tree looks the same. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't able to track my tracks and I started panicking, you know, like, like actually panicking freaking out a little bit, and then I started just screaming. I was like, Dad! <laughs> Dad! And my, I didn't know, but my dad was only like 10 feet away, and he turns around and he goes, yeah? I said, like, oh, nothing, it's okay. 
Nothing. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, when we read these parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the, and the prodigal son, we always, we picture the sinner. Who is it that the worst person that you can think of? The person who's the addict, the person who's living on the street, the person who doesn't come to church, the person who's just living in the world, the drunk, the prostitute, whoever it is. We always think of the worst possible person and they're the sinner that needs to come home. The tax collectors, the sinners, the thieves, the murderers. You know, we think of uh, Yatla Prison and we think of all those people. They're the lost sheep. They're the ones that need to come home. You know, the reality that this story tells us though is that sheep was in the flock. The coin was in the purse and the son was in the home. The sheep first left. You know, Isaiah 53 in verse 6, Isaiah tells us that all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have all left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. The reality is when we think of the lost sheep, it's always someone else, but actually the lost sheep can so often be you and me. The lost sheep can be sitting in the auditorium here today. You don't have to be down at the pub or you don't have to be lying in a gutter or you don't have to be what we would consider as sinful to be far from God. You can be sitting here in the auditorium today. You can be doing all the right things and you can still be distant from God. And my mind is always drawn back in, in, to King David. When King David, who, who lived maybe four or 500 years before uh, Jesus lived, King David, the famous giant slayer, the shepherd who became the king. You know, we still call uh, uh, Jerusalem today the city of David. King David, he saw a woman on a roof. He was up high in, in his palace and he saw a woman who they used to bathe on roofs apparently. And he saw her bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. And he called her and as king, he got her into his, into his house and he, and he had an affair with her. He got her pregnant and then he had his, her husband killed because she was married and then married this woman. And then the prophet Nathan comes to King David. Now that's a pretty bad thing, right? Like it's a pretty bad at all, all accounts. Yep, that's bad. Uh, that's pretty sinful. And the prophet Nathan comes to King David and he says, Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle. So Nathan is giving a, a parable to David. And he says, Instead, the rich man took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. So David is told this story of a great injustice. And it's a story. It's a, it's a parable. But King David, in his response to that story, it says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. You know, David is so self-righteous. He's so ready to take action. He's so ready to defend God and to defend his people. When Nathan is saying to David, he's saying, you are that man. And so often in life, I even find it myself that I'm so quick to judge everyone else around me and quick to judge them as the sinners. But the reality is just like the prophet Nathan is saying to David, sometimes I am that man. I can be the sinner. I can be the one that's far away and I can be the one who is lost. 
You know, we hear so many stories and I love to hear uh, people's stories of how they found God and how they came to salvation and what their journey was to being born again. And I love those stories because each one is a transformed life and each one is a story of redemption. And also because except for the grace of God, there go I. You know, that could be me. You know, Pastor Jonathan from our Modbury campus, he preached here and he preached a great word and he said that you are one decision away, one bad decision away from getting lost, but you're also one good decision away from coming home. There are many real consequences to us getting lost. You know, as people that sit here in church, sometimes we too can get lost and there are many real consequences to that. I've seen too many marriages falling apart. I've seen the effect the marriage breakdown has on children. I've seen too many people losing their years of their life to drug and alcohol addiction. I've seen people losing their jobs and their families because they just get lost. I've seen too many parents get lost and leave the church and then we have a generation of children that come after them that don't even know God. Parents who were on fire for God, who are leaders in the church, they get hurt and they get burnt and they end up stopping coming to church and then the next generation knows nothing of God and we get lost. You know, each one of us has a period in our life where we were lost. And I, and I want to I emphasise and I want to reiterate that as a church, when a sinner is saved, when someone enters the kingdom of heaven, there is going to be such a great party in heaven, but there should be a great party here. Like it's so awesome when someone comes because their heart is transformed. It goes from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. They step from darkness into light, from death into life. And the reality is it's such a beautiful moment when someone gets saved. And we saw four people get saved over the last couple of weeks around Easter time. And it's an amazing, come on, we should give God a hand for that. Because each one represents a transformed life. But for me, the greatest testimony of all is that I was lost, but now I'm found and now I'm going to stay found. I'm not going to wander away. I'm not going to find myself lost again. I want future generations of my children and generations to come and the legacy that I leave to be people that say, thank God for Phil. Thank God that he stood tall. In the face of dark times and the darkest possible moments in his life, he stayed faithful. Thank God that my children would say, thank God that even though life was tough, we still came to church every Sunday. Then my dad made it a priority that I would know God and I would know Him. That legacy, that, that generations to come would know the power of God because I was the one that stood tall. That even though I was lost, now I'm found and I'm going to stay found. But the reality is that getting lost isn't an instant thing. It's not a deliberate thing. Sometimes it's just a thing. Life just happens to us. And there are many different factors to us finding ourselves lost. And this morning I want to look at three from the parables that we've read through, the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. I want to look at three ways that we can get lost. And the first is the lost sheep. You know, the lost sheep, I've been around sheep quite a lot growing up in the country and sheep aren't all that clever. And they'll see a patch of grass and they'll just be munching on grass. They just eat. And then they'll see another patch of grass over here and they'll eat this patch of grass. And then they'll see another patch of grass 
Over here, sheep are very one, they're singularly focused. They love their grass. Haven't introduced them to Hungry Jacks yet, I guess. And they're, and they're over here and then all of a sudden they're having another piece of grass and then by the time that they've even considered it, they're so far away from the safety and security of the shepherd that they're lost. And that's kind of what happens to us in our life. We just take one step away. We miss church one Sunday. It's not intentional. We get busy periods of our life. Children's sport happens. Things happen and we just, you know, this Sunday I just need a break. This week I can't focus on my, on, my, on, my, on my devotional life. I can't focus on prayer because I need to focus on this. It's just the one step. It's the one step. You know, 20 years ago you worked 37 and a half hours a week. You went home. Uh, there was no uh, laptops. There was no iPhones. You just went home and you just uh, watched Friends and uh, Blue Healers and all of the good shows that we used to have. Now the kids sit there and I open up my laptop and I start doing some things or, you know, your phone's there and you're getting messages and, and we're busier now than we've ever been before. I remember growing up as a kid, my mum wasn't, didn't have to go to work because cost of living wasn't what it is now and, and, and now cost of living is crazy. Petrol is a billion dollars. Uh, everything costs so much. Parents have to work. Both parents work. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It just is what it is. We need to do what we need to do. But the busyness of our life can sometimes lead us to neglecting the things that keep us close to the shepherd. You know, as a, as a kid, I remember growing up and we had a family that lived over the road from us, the Theodosios. And all of us kids all lived on the same street. There was probably about 10 or 15 of us. And we'd all go to the Theodosios' house because they had the best lawn. And so the best lawn out the front, that was where we played footy in winter. And then they had a big dirt patch out the back and that's where we played cricket in summer. It was pretty simple, footy in winter. And then at some point there would be a transition, I don't know what it was, but we would just then go play cricket in, in, in the back. And you just play. Eventually mum would yell out or send someone to come and get me, it's time for dinner, and then you'd go home, you know. Uh, life is just so, so much more complicated now. You know, the sports when I was growing up was netball for the ladies, Football for the guys, uh, cricket in summer, tennis in summer as well. It was very simple, very very uh, you know kind of kind of a little bit uh, old fashioned, I guess. But now we've got football, we've got soccer, we've got basketball, we've got everything, every sport you can imagine. Your kids are going to do it, and there's things on every night of the week. For us, we've got dance practice Tuesday night. Thursday night is basketball practice. Friday night is youth. Uh, Saturday is basketball. Then there's all the other things that we've got to do. You know, life is busy. Life is busy. And I get it. And sometimes I've got to take stock of my own life and to go, hang on, slow down, take a moment, take a breath, and remember the things that keep me close to the shepherd. You know, an extra shift here, kids sport there. You know, sometimes we drift away, but it's not just about the physical drifting, it's the heart condition as well. You know, sometimes it could be that something pops up on our screen and we look at something we're not supposed to look at. Maybe we start drinking a little bit more than we're supposed to be drinking. Maybe we start taking medicine just to be able to get through the day, step by step, little by little. It always starts out with good intention, but ultimately it leads us to separation from the shepherd. And we need to be able to come back to safety, come back 
to the place of protection. I remember when our kids were little, our, our children, Isla and Amelia, um, and when they're little, like two, three years old, they just follow you everywhere. Uh, you try and go to the toilet on your own as a parent. I mean, you got to lock the door and even then they're banging on the door and it's like, can I have two minutes of peace, please, children? They follow you everywhere and, and you watch them. You go to the shop. Kids are interesting to watch at the shop. And you go and, and you walk down the aisle and there'll be something will catch their eye and, uh, and they'll just start, they'll just get caught and they'll stop and they'll start looking at this. It might be the toy that was hanging on the aisle or, or they might get lost in a section in Kmart. And you just watch them and then they'll see something else and they'll just go over here and they'll just look at this over here. And it's so easy for a kid to get separated from their parent. But the kids, the kids, they know from an early age that they need to be close to their parent. That's where safety is. That's where security is. That's where provision is. We need to be close to our Father in heaven. When we stick close to us, the Father sticks. When we stick close to Him, He sticks close to us. How do we do that? We spend time with Him. You may not be able to have a daily devotional life because of the life that you lead, but you do have time in commute whether it's on the bus or whether it's in the car, put some AirPods in and listen to a bit of worship. You can pray in, 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 un, under your breath. You can continually commune with your Creator every day in your car, in your quiet time. Even while you're making dinner, I love to put my AirPods in and listen to podcasts while I clean the house. Um, yeah, I clean the house. Uh, I did hear a couple of gasps. Uh, I love the Dyson and I do vacuum. When we intentionally stay close to Him, we don't just get distracted and start drifting away like the, the lost sheep. And as a parent, parents, we've got such a responsibility to make sure that our children don't get lost. We need to do our best so that when we get to the end of the day and we meet with our Creator, He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I know that this doesn't always go to plan. Children do have a free will and at some point they will need to make their own decision. But I want to do everything that I can to make sure that they're in the kingdom. We go to church every Sunday. It's what we do. We listen to worship around our house all the time. It's what we do. We read the Word of God. It's what we do. Isla every night and has a, has a Bible reading plan and, and on, her, on her phone and Sarah's in on it and I'm in on it and we see all the comments and, 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 and we read the Bible. That's what we do. We spend time with God. That's what we do because as parents we have a responsibility to make sure that our children stay close to the shepherd. This morning three ways that we get lost. First is the lost sheep. Secondly, the lost coin. You know, this coin that the woman had, that one of her ten coins, a dowry coin, it's easy to lose a coin. Have you ever dropped a coin and you drop it and then it bounces and then it rolls around and then it rolls away? It might have happened, not recently because I don't carry cash anymore. Uh, Barry Smith was right. This is a cashless society. The, the, the coin drops and it rolls away. It might roll down a grate or it rolls under a, under a cupboard somewhere. You drop it and you just don't know where it goes. Yeah, that's kind of like what life does to us sometimes. That coin didn't make a decision to leave. That coin didn't unintentionally drift away. There were circumstances outside of the coin's uh, uh, control that caused that coin to be lost. He didn't ask to be dropped by the woman. He didn't ask to be bounced around and pinged around across furniture and benches and cupboards. And sometimes there are life situations that happen to us that cause us to be lost. Sometimes things happen in our life that are completely unexpected and they, they hit us for a six. 
Sometimes it could be something that happens in our family. It could be something that happens in our workplace. It could be that that bill after bill after bill after bill keeps on coming in. These things keep on knocking us and you feel like you're Rocky in Rocky 3 against Mr. T going, you know, 10 rounds, how many rounds he went with him. You're just getting beaten around by life because life happens. Life knocks us around. Life can give us a real belting sometimes. But what you've got to know is that there's a Creator and there's a God who will keep searching for you. Just like that woman who tore that house apart, who tore everything apart just to be able to find that coin. When life knocks you around, when life hits you for a six, God is looking for you. He still loves you. He wants you to come. He wants to find you. You know, have you ever lost something at home? Are you the thing that in our house that is the most cherished thing that you don't lose is a sock. If you're going through the washing and you find a single sock, where's the partner? Where's the pair? And everyone in the house stops everything that they're doing, whatever it is that you may be doing. Kids, where's your sock? Tear it apart, look in your room, lift up your mattress, pull out the cupboards, pull all the clothes apart, look through the laundry, empty that wash basket again, try and shake it and it fall down outside. Where is the sock? It's amazing how many times socks end up in sleeves of shirts, by the way. I don't know how that happens. The sock eventually gets found and that's how God is with us. You know, sometimes life is outside of our control and things happen and it is awful. Life happens to us. But you have a God that loves you. He wants to bring you home. He wants to bring you back. He wants to bring you home. You know, I remember periods of my life where I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be lying there in bed at 2am and I don't know if it was because I've had too much uh, MSG or too much caffeine or I don't know what it is, but you'd be lying there at 2am and you ping, your eyes are wide awake and you're like, I just can't sleep. And it's amazing in the middle of the night when you can't sleep how your mind goes wild and things start racing around your head. Things are always worse at 2am. But what I've found, no matter how many times I've laid there, lying there and I can't get to sleep, I know that the morning is coming. I know that the sun will rise again in the words of the amazing worship leader, Annie. The sun will come up tomorrow. I can imagine the, the, the disciples, Jesus' mother, and they're there and it's Good Friday and, and Jesus has been buried in the tomb and they're there on Easter Saturday and they're mourning and they're grieving the loss of their, their Saviour, the Messiah. And they didn't know at that time that Sunday was coming. They didn't know that resurrection was coming. They were sitting in the midst of grief and death and loss. But I've got to tell you, Sunday was coming. In every one of our lives, Sunday is coming. The principle has been set and laid down no matter what you do. You cannot stop the sun from rising. You can try your hardest. You can pray and intercede. The sun will still rise tomorrow and God will still save you today. God is a Saviour. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He will lift you up out of that pit of despair. Psalm 40 verse 1. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and heard my cry. 
He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in God. No matter what you're walking through in life, no matter the depths of despair and the darkness that surrounds you, Sunday is coming. Life is coming. He will put a new song in your mouth and He will celebrate with you just like the woman celebrated when the lost coin was found. Three ways we get lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and thirdly, the lost son. You know, the lost son wasn't an accident. It wasn't the storms of life that knocked him around and he found himself lost. It wasn't sort of just a, you know, a a meander over here and a meander over there and you end up finding yourself lost. The lost son was a deliberate, willful walking away from the father. It's a deliberate rebellion against the father. Sometimes we make deliberate and willful decisions to step away from the father. Sometimes it might be in our finances, it might be in our personal life, but we make deliberate and willful decisions to walk away from the Father. I know that's probably not anyone in this room. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. You know, I remember a time there's a small town to the west of Sejuna called Fowler's Bay and I'd just learnt to drive and I thought I'd take my mate, I had my peas and I thought we'd go for a drive to Fowler's Bay and uh, it's it's by the beach and it's it's... It's gravel all the way there, but when you get there, the roads can be really quite boggy. And we had a Magna that I learned to, to drive in, a 1996 Mitsubishi Magna, five-speed manual, front-wheel drive. Um, and, uh, and even though I knew that it wasn't a four-wheel drive, even though I knew that it was low to the ground, that it didn't have clearance, even though I had my dad's voice in the back of my head saying, look after the car, don't do anything silly, do the right thing. I saw a track that I knew was very boggy. I knew my car wasn't a four-wheel drive, but something within me said, I reckon I can do it. I reckon I can get through. And, uh, and so uh, in my Magna, my dad's Magna, manual, front-wheel drive, I uh, gave it a go. And I got a bit of a speed up, probably hitting around 60 or 70 and kept driving, kept driving and kept driving and then stopped driving. Um, And it wasn't my choice to stop driving. The sand, (laughs) I got incredibly bogged, so bogged. Now, the thing when you grow up in the country is that there's always city people going to the country to go fishing and they're like, we would think, you know, these big shots coming to the country and they're big flash four-wheel drives. They're not as good as us country folk, Uh, you know. So anyway, I had to go to one of these city folk in their big flash four-wheel drives <laughs> and humble myself and uh, say, can you please uh, pull me out <laughs> of my bog? <laughs> it was a very embarrassing moment. I learned a very important lesson uh, that magnets aren't four-wheel drives. <laughs> you know, sometimes we know it's wrong. We know we shouldn't do it. We know that's not the right thing to do. We know it could make a mess, but our ego convinces us and tells us lies that we continue to believe. My mind was telling me lies. It was telling me, you can do it. Your ability is far greater than it really is. My mind was telling me all sorts of things, our emotions and our mind. They'll lie to us. 
They'll tell us things that are different from reality. It's only once. It's only once. No one will find out. No one's watching. No one can see. It's one drink. It's one text message. It's one night. I only watched it once. I can only do, I can, you know, these, these things that we, reasons that we put in our mind and we put in our head and it becomes to a place where we get to a point of deliberate and willful disobedience. I like what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Luke, if you could join us, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that prodigal son got to a point in his life where he had to finally humble himself and come home to the Father. Sometimes we find ourselves lost and it's through no fault of our own. Life circumstances causes us to be lost. Life happens and we're lost. And the, the, the shepherd will come and find you. The woman will come and find you. God will come and find you. If you are lost, God will come and He won't stop searching for you. Nothing can stop Him from looking for you. But there are times when we are through deliberate and willful disobedience, we walk away from the Father. He will never stop waiting for you to come home. He will never stop. And we put all these things in our mind that says, I can't come home to the Father because He's going to be disappointed. I can't come home to the Father because He's going to be disciplining me or there's going to be consequences or I can't come to the Father because... I'm embarrassed. But we need to get to the point sometimes where we humble ourselves and say, I need to get back home. And when we do that, not only does He, does he not discipline us, not only does He not, not punish us, but He celebrates. He celebrates and it says that all of heaven celebrates when we come home. The reality is if you are lost, God will look for you. But if you know you're lost, it's time to come home. It's time to come home to the Father. You are never too lost. You are never too far gone. God is looking for you and He won't stop looking for you because God is a Redeemer. You know, if you are here and you're part of the flock and you're part of the church, once you were lost, but now you were found. You set your feet up on solid ground. We need to stay found. We need to stay to our testimony. We need to build generations of godly people that will come after us. Maybe today though, you are lost. Then today is the day to come home. Today is the day for you to come back to the Father. Could we all stand together today? We're gonna come to a close in just a moment. If you're here this morning and you were someone who once went to church, you were someone who once called themselves a Christian, but you've walked away, you're no longer walking with God, then today is the day of salvation. And with every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, if that's you, if you want to come home, if you say, it's time for me to come back to the Father, would you do me a favour and just lift your hand so I can see who you are? I'm not going to do anything crazy. We're just going to pray together and then we'll move on with the service. But if that's you this morning and it's time to come home, You've been away, it's time to come home. Would you do me a favour, just lift your hand nice and high. Is there anyone here this morning who would say it's time to come home?
Now this morning we talked about getting lost and the storms of life and even unintentionally just finding ourselves lost. And normally you'd do an altar call and we'd pray for people, but this is an incredibly personal thing because it's between you and your Creator. It's between you and your Father. It's between you and God in heaven. So this morning we're going to go back into a time of worship and 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 if the team could come, maybe that would be great. But Luke, I really want you to lead us in worship. We're going to sing to our Creator. And let's take a moment to stop and to pause and make sure that our heart is aligned with our Creator one more time. He's there, He's waiting for us. All we need to do is to come back, to lift our voices, to open our hearts and to believe that He's there for us. So this morning as Luke and Haley lead us, why don't we worship together? Let's sing to our Creator. Let's worship Him this morning.